With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will pa 11 on twitter and instagram got a very special pod for you in store today we're going over my final mock draft a few fan mailbag questions and then we're joined by randy lang of nyjets.com should be uh, should be an exciting show for you guys we got two days left till the nfl draft this pod will be dropping around uh, five o'clock eastern tuesday night we'll start off we'll start off with our mock draft uh, it's the final one of the you know the mock draft season you know, as much as everyone kind of makes fun of mock drafts, they are incredibly enjoyable to do. And um, I think it's something that, you know, it's okay to get yourself wrapped into. It kind of makes the NFL draft, which is probably at this point, one of the biggest sports events, uh, sports events of the year in this country. And it just shows you how big the NFL brand really is. But I'll start off number two. I want Zach Wilson. I think it's pretty much hundred percent solidified at this point. I said probably about six to seven weeks ago, I thought it was uh, solidified. And obviously then they moved Sam and, you know, kind of became, all but a done deal. But I think, you know, Douglas fell in love with Wilson's game and was, you know, okay with the medicals, but that pro day really sold it on him, you know, sold it for him and talking to him in person and how he fits in the, you know, the Shanahan offense. And I, I think all of those things, he should be an exciting, exciting prospect. Somebody that I expect to come in and start day one, somebody that I, I think will have ups and downs, but as long as it gets better throughout his rookie year and shows promise, I think the Jets are in store for, you know, potentially breaking that, you know, quarterback curse, whether it's been, um, you know, not supporting a guy like Sam Darnold or and him underperforming as well, or, you know, a Mark Sanchez or, you know, someone like that that didn't, you know, didn't quite pan out. Although Sanchez obviously had those four playoff road wins, which, you know, I think all Jets fans can, you know, attest is probably the, the best point in my Jets fandom in the last 15 years or so. So obviously Zach Wilson at two. I didn't do any trades in this mock. Uh, I do expect the Jets to, you know, make some moves, whether it be, trade you know trade some later on picks for veterans or trade you know either down from 34 up from 23 depending upon who's on the board so um i think connor rogers made a great point on um you know the jake asman show today that douglas does a really good job in his first draft of controlling the board and, and getting what he wants out of that board so uh, don't be surprised if the jets decide to you know make a move one way or the other and if they don't you know stand pat at 23 and 34 but at 23 i had them going elijah vera tucker out of usc somebody that Feels a huge need for the team. I think it's a great value pick at 23. He can play tackle or he can play guard. I think he'll step in day one as a starting either left or right guard. I would assume probably on the right side of the offensive line based on how the roster is constructed as of now. But he's somebody that great kid, great character, great background. There's no red flags with him. I think he did, he struggled a bit um, in pass pro at tackle against Oregon and, and a couple games like that. But that was a tackle facing a guy and you know, facing an Oregon defense line, it's hyper-athletic, but as a whole, AVT can step right in, start a guard, be a really, really solid, you know, to a potential Pro Bowl level guard for the next decade if they want, or they can kick it out to tackle after George Sands let go next year. So I think the Jets that walk away on day one with Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker, I think as a fan, you have to be pretty pumped, to be honest with you. I think those are great picks at both spots. I had the Jets game going Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia, uh, edge rusher. I know some people were Eh, I'm an edge guy. I think the Jets could use another edge. All of a sudden now, you're building up quite a front four, similar to when, the one I was in San Francisco and the prime years in Seattle, you know, that Salah had. So 
if you're walking away from that first, again, first three picks you walk away with Ojolari, AVT, and Zach Wilson, you have to feel really great about value. You have to feel great about filling needs and getting best player on the board. I had them going next to 66, Asante Samuel Jr., corner, another huge position of need. Um, you'll hear me say this over and over again. The Jets basically have a position of need everywhere, right? So outside of interior defensive line, left tackle, and safety, I could argue they need some, they need help badly pretty much everywhere else. So that he's, you know, that's going to fill a need, um, you know, and then I went to, you know, pick 86 on Kenneth Gainwell running back. So the running back room is very light. Now people probably don't want to see a running back at 23 or 34, which is understandable, but I think at 86, you need to take a shot in a playmaker here. You're now, you know, now in the end of round three and, you know, snagging yourself a playmaker, the running back position to balance with Ty Johnson, Michael P. Ryan, and obviously Tevin Coleman coming in would be a huge win. Now you're walking away with day one and day two of the draft with probably a starting guard day one, starting edge day one, hopefully a starting corner day one, and then probably either a starting running back or an instant contributor on offense, a running back, and obviously your starting quarterback. So, you know, we'll start there, and then, um, you know, we'll get into day three. Day three had the Jets taking guys like Trey Smith at 107, Tulana Hufunga at 146, Josh Palmer, Shai Smith, Tay Gowan as well. So, you know, coming away from this draft, I had the Jets getting a quarterback, two guards, a rover linebacker in Hufunga, two wide receivers, Shai Smith and Josh Palmer, who I think are good value at 154 and 186, present different kind of options, a running back in Kenneth Gainwell, Sante Samuel corner, and then Zizo Jolari at edge. So, in my opinion, I'd probably rate if the Jets walk away with this, which I felt was a realistic, um, a realistic mock. Maybe they, I gave it probably an eight point five nine, potentially a ten if you know you were able to hit on one of those later round picks, um, you know, and develop a develop, develop a guy like a Shot Smith or a Josh Palmer into you know a legitimate threat at wide receiver. So um, we'll move into the Twitter questions, but obviously final mock of the year, expecting you know expecting similar results. I think the Jets will go. They're going to have to balance best player available and, you know, on their board and need. I think you always go with best player available and you try to meet need with best player available, which I think AVT, Elijah Vera Tucker, Aziz Ojolari in specific fit, you know, when it comes to uh, when it came to that mock draft. So we'll get into some fan Twitter questions before we get into this interview with Randy Lang. Before we get into this, uh, this interview with Randy Lang, let me go over a few Twitter questions I got sent over last night. Uh, Artie mentions, do you think it's, um, you know, the Jets going early off offensive line early and often and potentially skill positions, given the Jets current situation, do you ultimately believe they need to develop more corners or should they take a corner high in the draft? Um, when it comes to corner, this, I've, you know, talked with some people, um, you know, that's come on the podcast as well. I think within Salah's scheme being so zone based and having, you know, the ability to try to rush the pass with four to five guys, you know, ideally just that front four, maybe one got one blitzer. As opposed to having to create up these, you know, creative schemes to get pressure, I do think corners less of a priority, um, and, and they believe that they can protect these guys playing some, you know, deep cover three as well as, you know, adjusting based on opponents. So, I don't expect the Jets to go corner round one. I could see them at thirty four going corner, or potentially at sixty six. So, um, I, I definitely think corner is a huge need. It's a weak room. It's kind of Bryce Hall and a bunch of guys that you know should be death pieces, not starters. But at the same time, uh, I think there's bigger needs on this team from a value perspective, unless a J.C. Horn um, or Patrick Sertan for some reason fall, which they will not. So I wouldn't expect the Jets to go corner round one. If a Caleb Farley, Greg Newsom, maybe a Melon Fonwu, you know, at 34, potentially 66, or in Sante Samuel Jr., sure. But I, I don't see them going, you know, corner round one. Richard Lewis, six, uh, you know, tweeted out, get rich. Our emoji tweeted out. I said, I want offensive line and cornerback. Which uh, position do you want to see the Jets upgrade most during the draft? I think they need to upgrade the receiver position, quite frankly. Um, you know, running back in corner and offensive line are the three most glaring weaknesses, specifically guard, uh, outside corner, and then obviously – um, the running back room is, is very weak on either experience and, and honestly talent considering, um, you know, some, some of the other running back rooms around the league, the receiver room is still, it's solid. And, and I, I think there's potential there to be pretty good, especially if Mims takes a leap this year or Corey Davis establishes himself as at least a one B, but 
I mean, they're in a position where they could grab a serious threat at 23 or 34 or potentially in this deep class where there's 25, 30 draftable receivers, potentially more, you know, with pretty decent grades on them. You know, you could see a potentially a Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, Kadarius, Tony at 34, or Rashad Bateman either at 23 or 34. You know, maybe one of the big three guys falls. I just would be – I would be disappointed the Jets didn't, you know, address the receiver position, you know, in this uh, this upcoming draft. I'd like to see them do so. Last question here before we get into this interview. Joe Horning wrote over, do you think the Jets should be targeting guys like Jason Owe and Jamin Davis, you know, high ceiling, high ceiling, high potential, you know, kind of freak athlete guys? Um, when it comes to these guys, I believe the Jets will take swings on guys like this. They took a swing on Beckton. They've taken swings in free agency on guys like a Carl Lawson, who's been really productive, but you're building, you know, banking on him getting even better. You're banking on a guy like Gerard Davis to come in and play at linebacker where he struggled in the scheme in Detroit, but was a former first round pick. Um, you know, a Corey Davis, who's high, high upside guy from, you know, out of college and then disappointed somewhat in Tennessee, but is, you know, on a great trajectory and a good value contract. I can see 100% team of Jets, you know, taking swings on those guys. Do I think they should take a swing on Oway? Probably not. I don't think he was productive enough for, you know, all the athleticism he shows. It's great, but you're really counting on him taking a huge step. And then no sacks last year is a huge red flag. When it comes to Jamin Davis, I think depending on where they take him, I think he could be a really, you know, special player in the league, but he went from being a guy that people had in round four and five to all of a sudden people are talking about, you know, Chris Simmons had him go in the top 10 today. So again, I would, I would be cautious of those guys, but I think Douglas will take huge swings on high character, high, high upside guys where he thinks if he gets them in the hands of Salah, Albrecht, before and his coaching staff that he can develop them into superstar talents and homegrown really good players. I don't see the Jets going for that low floor guy. That's why I think Wilson is so appealing to them. High ceiling guy. I think Elijah Barry Tucker is a high ceiling guard. I think a Zizo Jolari, part of the reason I put him there is he's a high ceiling edge, right? You know, him and Carl Lawson screaming off the edge with Q, Foley, JFM, Rankins, and, and Curry on that defensive line, amongst others, even Nate Shepard, you know, 35-year-old Nate Shepard. Kidding. Shout out Mike McCagnon. But, you know, there's a lot of potential there, right? So look for guys that Jets are going to draft with high potential, high character, We've seen it before. Team captains. Those are the guys I look for for Joe Douglas to draft and, uh, you know, kind of go from there. So um, last point I just want to make here, um, obviously, you know, the Jets are they're in a great position. But again, make sure when you're watching Thursday night, just take into account are the Jets drafting and adding to the, the lack of talent on that roster. Right. Because no matter what, and I mentioned this before. There's a there's a huge you know lack of talent in the roster. They've added some this offseason. They will develop some and take a step up, obviously, in the new Salah era as opposed to you know Adam Gase, but they need to just add talent, talent, and more talent. And, and that's what I, you know, kind of would be, you know, be on the lookout for. And you know, hopefully, you know, even if we got the other two guys I wanted to mention that are options at 23 are Xavier Collins and, and, and JOK. JOK, Connor Rogers joke today about him being a uh, a bit of a similar person, better in coverage than Jamal Adams. Um, I think he'd be a great fit to play Will linebacker in the scheme, be able to give you, be really flexible with him and Mosley kind of playing linebacker and some, you know, five, five defensive back packages rushing four. I think Xavier Collins is a 6'4", 270-pound linebacker that can run. Both guys I would be on the lookout for. I know people don't want to hear defense at 23, but there's that possibility. And, uh, you know, they need to score points, but two names to watch out for as well. So be, uh, we're going to have this Randy Lang interview for you guys right now. Um, you know, write a friend jets.com cover the team for, you know, for forever. So, um, I give a, give his opinion on, you know, what the Sam Darnold trade meant in terms of draft capital for the jets going forward. And, um, you know, how his opinion on Wilson, some of the free agency moves and then a lot of, you know, a lot of draft prep. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, you know, we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys Thursday, uh, get you ready for, uh, you know, for the draft Thursday night. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Got a very special guest today from NewYorkJets.com, Randy Lange. Senior consultant reporter, you know, over at the website, been writing there for a long time and, you know, encourage you to go check it out. Randy, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Well, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's I always exciting. joke the offseason's kind of the Jets fans Super Bowl, but um, I know a lot of people are very excited this year with a lot of draft capital, some, you know, new head coach, really Joe Douglas is one of his first off seasons where you feel like everyone's on the same page. What are your, uh, your impressions so far of the Jets offseason as a whole? Um, obviously, Sam Darnold being moved recently, but as a whole, how's your you know impressions on the offseason been so far? Well, I like it. Um, I like the, uh, the way it started with the selection of Robert Sala as the head coach. Um, I think he was one of the maybe three candidates that we were hearing that you say, well, that guy really, he's, he's good. He's got the goods. And uh, so far, you know, we don't know for sure because um, – we haven't put on the pads yet for, and we may not, who knows when for training camp or whatever, uh, or the off season program. I haven't heard anything on that yet, but, um, uh, Robert Sala, I like him a lot. I haven't talked to him personally, but I have obviously uh, watched him, uh, conduct his press conferences and he's, uh, he's like, um, he, he's got caged intensity, you know, I mean, he's, he's not, uh, he's not frothing at the mouth when he talks to you. He sounds like he's a real good teacher and a real good listener. But you can tell also that he's got that zing, that that energy on the field, and you know you can tell from uh, you know all gas no break. Uh, you know his his slogan that he uh, he uh, developed over four years with San Francisco and before that. So I like that start. And um, as far as the free agency period is gone, uh, I think it's been it's been a good free agency period. No huge names, but on the other hand, I mean they've added some players at positions they needed to like Carl Lawson at edge rusher and um, you know, Corey Davis, a wide receiver. And uh, you know, they got more to do, but um, it, it looks promising so far. They, they actually, uh, I think it's very interesting what they're doing to the defensive line, which if you know Sala from his 49ers years, that's, that's one of his areas of uh, expertise. And uh, he wants to have not just four, not just six. He wants to have like eight guys he can roll in and out. And he's he t- he took a strength, and has probably made it stronger, and and may well you know make it even more strong uh, once the draft gets here and we look at what um, other edge rushers might be available. So, all of that being said, I I, I like where they're headed, and um, you know trust in Joe Douglas. I think he's he's a good man, and um, you know he'll we'll see where his he and his uh, uh, personnel staff take us on April 29th through the first uh, of May. You know, I, I totally agree with you from a couple of different perspectives. I, I, everyone I've talked to, and I know even Steve Weish mentioned this on the podcast, like last week or two weeks ago, he just mentions like when you meet Robert Soller, even if you just interact with him, you watch him on TV, there's just presence of, like you mentioned, it's like this calm intensity. I know that sounds like kind of polar opposites, but the way he mm-hmm. speaks to you, but he, he means business. He's an adult in the room. He's mature. Um, you hear even got Sheldon Rankins mentioned it, I believe yesterday, just, oh, Robert Sala called me in the conversations he had man to man. And it was like, you know, you just didn't hear that type of look, Adam Gase could have done it. I wasn't in the building, but you might be no, no better than me, but I don't know that he's that had that effect on some of these guys. And I think as, even though their roster, yes, is not what Buffalo and, and Miami and New England are at this point. I do think the addition of having an adult in the room that's going to make us play better is going to play up that roster that was obviously two and fourteen last year. And the defensive line, I think, is a great point. And look, their secondary isn't good, but at the moment, especially a corner, it's obviously very young and probably will even be younger in two weeks' time. But if you can get pressure on the quarterback, that takes a lot of pressure off of Bryce Hall and Bless Austin or Arthur Millette or whoever is going to play that second corner. So, yeah, there's a lot of different kind of factors there. Obviously, the Jets, you know, have moved on from Sam Darnold. What were your just initial quick reaction to him being a Carolina Panther, um, a spot I think is good for him personally, and then the value they got in return? Obviously, it's unfortunate three years later that we're in the spot, but that's obviously what's, you know, the reality of the situation. 
Yeah, I um, I like Sam personally, and um, you know had hadn't talked to him a whole lot this past year because we weren't in the building a lot. But uh, uh, before that, uh, liked his approach to the game, and um, I he never never uh, let down his guard if that was what it was. But he always had the team first, and uh, um, you know wanted to. Uh, I believe he genuinely, as he said, I think uh, at Carolina, he said he thought he'd be a Jet for twenty years, and you know, gee, you hate to let people like that go. And, um, you know, the, the one number that I, I like to do numbers and see, you know, uh, what, what uh, the, the best thing we can say or the worst thing we could say about some situation based on some of the metrics that we have. And uh, I just thought it was stunning that if you took Sam Darnold plus the five offensive linemen that, um, that Joe Douglas uh, brought in to, to rebuild that unit, and the three wide receivers, Jamison Crowder plus Rashad Perryman plus Denzel Mims, guys, those eight players were never on the field for a game all year, all eight of them. Now that is, is amazing because the two games where all of the, the linemen and the receivers were there, Darnold was out with the, the second part of his shoulder injury. So Sam never got the benefit of playing with that full complement of players surrounding him which joe douglas said he was very much uh, you know intent on getting sam um the wide receivers never seemed to get on the field at the same time until late in the season but you know by then you know we're, we're looking at 0 and 13 so uh i feel very bad for sam in that respect but you know you do have to look at it from the other point of view which is joe douglas didn't draft him you know robert sala and mike lafleur didn't draft him um and over three years, even though he did show some improvement from year one to two, and then not as much or backslid last year as everybody did, uh, Sam was still at the bottom of the NFL rankings in those composite numbers, no matter which ones you looked at, uh, be it passer rating or completion percentage or uh, you know uh, sack percentage. You know, it just it was not there, and so you can blame that on a lot of people, but the quarterback often takes the brunt of the blame. And, uh, you know, Sam uh, is probably in a better place, as you say, working with Teddy Bridgewater at the moment, I guess, but uh, uh, that could end uh, soon. I don't know, but um, he, he worked with him a little bit. Uh, was it 2018 or 19? I forget when Teddy made a, a visit. I think in 18, he came to us for a short while and moved on to New Orleans. But, um, you know, it, it's obvious that uh, this is, um, you know, you, you hate to see the constant rebuilding, especially a quarterback, but this is the chance for this new regime to put their stamp on this organization for 10 years, 15 years, maybe the, the 20 years that Sam Darnold saw. Not, yeah, no. You know, everybody you pick is not a Tom Brady, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd be, it, it's interesting when you, you make a good point there that, um, well, I think the biggest, my biggest thing with Sam, and we'll kind of, I don't want to go too much on Sam, but the biggest thing with me was, not only just the town around him, I just felt like Gase is such a bad coach. And I, I don't want to, I don't, we don't have to go down again. I don't want to go down to Gase or everyone's been down that 500 times, but it just feels like every time somebody left Gase, no matter where they were, like my biggest thing was the Dolphins tanked after firing Gase and got better. Like that, they took all the talent off the roster and they still were better because Brian Flores was so much better. Um, and so, you know, I, I just expect very similar with Sala in terms of guys that, you know, may have underperformed the last two years or last year specifically, obviously, are going to take that big jump back to what people probably the norm, maybe play a little bit over what they were playing. Right. So and I, Sam included, I think Sam will be fine in Carolina. I think the Jets are probably in the best scenario, you know, money wise, pick wise um, going forward. Have you in terms of, you know, Zach Wilson, obviously looks like he's going to be the pick. There could be a shock on draft day that maybe it's Fields or Lance or someone like that. But as of now, I would say, I, my money is like 95%, 99% maybe uh, percent on, you know, Zach Wilson being the pick. Um, have you gotten to watch him at all? And what are your impressions on, you know, presumptive next Jets starting quarterback? Yeah, well, I, I can't presume for myself or for the organization, because the one thing that Joe Douglas um, made very clear, he says, he, he didn't hedge when somebody said, uh, can we assume you're going to take a quarterback at number two? Well, that's a fair assessment, he said. But no, uh, no further comment on Zach Wilson. He just deflected everything, and as he should. I mean, let's keep a little mystery there. I, you know, I mean, it, 
it's uh, it, it's not unknown that somebody uh, sitting there with the second pick on draft days gets this um, you know huge um, bundle of, you know a, a truck backs up to the complex and drops off about four more picks. But I don't think that's happening. And uh, so then we're looking at well Zach uh, Wilson or Justin Fields, you know I mean you got the other names you know. Uh, Jones and uh, Lance, you know, but I don't think they're going that high. Some people do, but most people don't. Uh, Zach certainly had a great pro day. Um, wowed the Jets, Joe Douglas, and all the other NFL teams, I think, except the Rams think they're pretty solid, so they didn't show up. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, he he uh, he definitely um, has a flair about him. I mean, he, he uh, among all his throws, he he took, I don't know how many throws off balance and threw it 50 yards on the dime. And uh, his, his whole um, approach, he said, his goal for the uh, pro day was um, to uh, show people something that uh, maybe they didn't know I, I could do or something that they hadn't seen or, you know, so it's like, you don't want him to be, you know, razzle dazzle out there. You want him to be very sure of what he's doing. I mean, if he's Brett Favre, you better make sure that you know, he, uh, he slings that ball every time to the right guy. Uh, Sam Darnold tried to do that. Most of the time looked okay, but sometimes didn't. You know, you want Zach, if he's the guy, to be uh, developing in the new system. And I think that's a key thing from what I can determine so far is that I don't think um, uh, that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala wanted to get rid of Sam as quickly as possible, but I think that they really did see the system they want to run more of a West Coast approach, and and let's get a guy in who does that um, more that more to our liking. Uh, and again, because they didn't draft him, they weren't invested in him. So I think it was um, you know th that was a part of the the dynamic of of moving Sam and and also getting a decent return for. Uh, what they traded. And I, you know, I had one or two fans say, boy, they didn't get much for him. It's like, I was seeing that they weren't going to get a two for him, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay with it. I mean, I think uh, the two and the four next year, the six this year will be the first payment on Sam. And um, you know, so you move on and, and you, you want to see the team uh, succeed obviously. And, um, and now it's, it's the, the Douglas Sala uh, operation completely. It's no longer, well, Joe just got here after the 2019 draft. Nasala just got here early in the uh, 21 off season. So, you know, it, it's their turn. It's their show. And I know Jet fans, I, I, I agree with what you just said about, um, you know, the, the Bills and the Dolphins, you know, it's like they're past. It's like Jet fans are getting tired of, all right, here we are. And teams have fallen behind us. And now they're passing us again. What's that? What's that all about? You know, it's like, let's get that fixed. And I think that I can't swear to it, but I, I think it looks good that the Jets are on, on the way to getting that fixed and they're going to start moving back up the ladder. Uh, yeah, no, it's funny that uh, I, I mean, I've noticed from a national media perspective, obviously the Jets are usually good clickbait for people to kind of whether it was all oh, the draft process is flawed because the Jets were going to get Trevor Lawrence or not. And, you know, now it's former players going at the fan, whatever. The whole thing is funny to me because it just shows you that when the Jets finally kind of put it together, how polarizing an organization they can be. And um, I do think, you know, the, the division's tough, but also there's a lot of uncertainty everywhere else, everywhere in the division, except for Buffalo, a quarterback, right? I mean, at, the Patriots spent a lot of money, but that usually never works. Jets fans know that better than anybody. It's at most a one year, maybe two years, if you're really lucky, success rate. Um, you know, and then you look at Miami, who knows if Tua is actually the guy. I'm not very high on Tua, and it's not because I think he's a bad kid or he's not talented. I just don't know how great he, he makes everybody else around him. You know, it's hard to tell these Alabama players, especially because <laughs> even Clemson, right? It's hard because they're so much more talented than everybody else recently that you never know who's really <laughs> responsible for that. But, you know, the division's interesting, and I think, look, the Jets have a much easier schedule. You know this as well as I do. That This year will be an easier schedule. They've got a lot of games that could be potentially like Tampa, New Orleans, which would be disaster road games. Um, we'll be at home at least. And the extra game, Philly, Philly's not in a good spot <laughs> right now, very much at all. Well, so. And then the other thing to say about Philly is let's get them at home and let's beat them because the Jets uh, have never beaten the Eagles in regular season play. The only Pretty weird stat <laughs> the Jets have not beaten 
and it's time to, uh, you know, take it to the birds, you know, who they do beat in the preseason, but of course it's the preseason. So <laughs> when it counts, <laughs> it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. And obviously they've upgraded at some spots. I was curious before we talk about a little more of the draft, who are some guys that, you know, potentially last year, either underplayed or could potentially develop this year. Um, I guy that comes to mind, Ashton Davis, I think a year or two at safety, your eyes get quicker. I think he'll be fully healthy better D-line, things like that. I think he should take a step into a legitimate starting safety. If he's going to be the guy year two, it would be a nice year to show it. Obviously, picked pretty highly in last year's draft. Um, who are maybe one or two guys for you that you're expecting? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how this guy develops under Sala and the new coaching staff. Well, I mean, you know, we, we saw him develop last year, Quinn and Williams, uh, but let's see him really develop because right now you're looking at this defensive line that is being re-refashioned under uh, Coach Sala. Uh, and, uh, you know, you got, uh, Foley Fadakasi on the inside, maybe over the, over the you know, center, Sheldon Rankins just arrived. He can play there too. He thinks, um, he thinks he's ready to resume his, you know, lofty, uh, you know, status, uh, as, as a defensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, and, uh, then you go to the, uh, the threes and the fives, you got Quinnen on the, probably on the inside, but, you know, uh, away from center. And he showed that he can make, he can create havoc um, from, let's say, the five technique, uh, getting into the quarterback's uh, kitchen there and starting to cause some damage, which he did last year, finally, after not so much as a rookie. And then you put him on the outside, you know, line up Carl Lawson next to him or uh, perhaps uh, somebody in the draft. Uh, and, uh, you know, now all of a sudden you've got that four-man line, which when was the last time the Jets had a four-man line that really rushed the passer i mean do we go back to the sack exchange i mean wow that's crazy you know but uh even even in the you know like the logaman years in the 90s the dennis bird before he got injured um you know i mean i was gonna say i think maybe the last time like truly the d line i was i would say maybe uh hermit early herm edwards years and it was like Sean Abraham. Yeah, yeah. yeah ellis so, abraham mm -hmm. sure uh, I agree. I mean, those certainly that was a good, uh, you know, and, and building group. And maybe this is along those lines or even better. And uh, that's going to be the part of the defense probably that that leads the unit this year uh, under Sala because the linebackers, we don't know, you know, really where C.J. Mosley is. I mean, you know, hopefully he picks up where he left off, you know, before last year, but he he opted out and he did not play. So. Uh, as great a player as he was with the Ravens, I mean, he, he's played basically what a game and a half as a Jet in two years. That's that's not a lot. So we need to see more of that, you know. And the outside backers, you know, Basham and you know, I forget who else we had out there. You know, they they depart. Neville Hewitt has not come back. So I mean, not that those guys are going to you know you know raise your boat you know uh, super high, you know. But they were all good, solid role players. They probably are not here. And so, and then in the secondary, you worry about that. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, who do we look at? Well, you know, Bryce Hall looked pretty good in, at moments last year at corner. I, I like Bless Austin's attitude. I, I don't know what his future is, but he's going to be fighting for a job. So you got corners at least. And then, as you mentioned, Ashton Davis, you know, along with Marcus May, who we know is here for the year. And, um, you know, then they brought in uh, LaMarcus uh, Joyner, you know, I mean, good veteran presence at safety. All of a sudden, safety may stabilize. And so you can see the makings. You can see the plan, I think, at work. And whether it works out right away in the first year, not sure. You know, we'll see. But, you know, the, the really important uh, building, it's all over, is important. But on offense, the quarterback needs to to get those tools around him. I love uh, Jamison Crowder, uh, but you know, I mean, he's, he's probably in the last year of his deal. Let's see what happens after that. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you, you've got new, you know, first or second wide receivers, you know, with Corey Davis and uh, with uh, Keelan Cole, and you're gonna probably bring in another guy. So let's see how wide receivers shake out. Running back, what are we, are we seeing a running back low in round one, high in round two, because uh, the, the top two backs there uh, could be available. And, uh, you know, you might want to add to Tevin uh, Coleman and to, um, you know, LaMichael Perrine and, and add, you know, not to go through the whole roster, but Ty Johnson's still there. Josh Adams just re-signed. So 
you know, that's possibly one of those understated positions. So you want to see that develop. You want to see the offensive line solidify. I, Mackay Becton, I mean, you know, that, that's not saying anything surprising there, but he looks like a monster for years to come. That's great. Uh, is George Fant the guy on the right end, on the right side, or do they, you know, look for the, the draft uh, competition there? And it'll be interesting to see how guard shakes out. I like McGovern, but I don't know if he's going to stay at center. So we'll see how, um, how that all works out because Dan, Dan Feeney is a really interesting cat from the uh, Chargers. He, he led the NFL or tied for the lead in the NFL for all the most offensive plays by anybody, any position. He led the NFL last year. And uh, so he, he never got hurt. He played, he's played center. He played center last year, but he's played both guards. He's played third tight end. You know, he's a, you know, a, a versatile guy and, and uh, hopefully he's indestructible because that's another thing that the Jets need. And you, you mentioned, you know, uh, additions that are are good and surprising uh, you know Robert Sala added a a new part to the, the training staff and uh, I would be uh, I, I'd, I'd only be guessing at the uh, the names of the coaches but it's a it's a performance wing of the training staff and the the uh, strength staff that's something the Jets have needed for a little while they needed to um, to get rid of as many of the soft tissue injuries and the bad injuries that they could because they've been hurting during the season for you know too long now I think and so it's time to uh, to get that corrected and that will be another important step as the Jets go forward is how many players that they have brought in to be impact players are available on a weekly basis to be impact players. Yeah, no, no, no I agree with you on pretty pretty much everything you said there. I think something that's super is gonna be super interesting to me at least is. Um, you know, the depth they have never had, I, I feel like at least under Gase, um, it felt like if one guy gets hurt, the whole game plan was screwed or um, the whole the whole game, it was like it, you'd go into the week and uh, of course, all of a sudden there's 25 guys injured and mm -hmm. things like that. That was difficult, obviously. I know you mentioned before the, the eight additions basically last year on offense, none of them played together. Um, I think running back and tight end are two positions that haven't really been talked about much, but I'm not sure that there's anybody on the roster right now that you trust for 16 games. Tevin Coleman's a really nice talent. He was really good in Atlanta. He was good in San Francisco in spurts, but seems to always play like between 10 and 12 games. Um, I'm, I don't have mm -hmm. his pro football reference page up at the moment, but just from watching him for the last five to six years, good player, but can he stay healthy? I'm not sure that Piran was all over the place. It felt like in camp, he was really good. And then sprained his ankle and then kind of felt like he never really got going Took about a half year <laughs> yeah it took about a half year then Mims similar to kind of Quinn and Williams I felt like got injured in the beginning of the year and just like kind of felt like he showed flashes but didn't really show fully you know Denzel like to tear or pull both your hamstrings in the course of six weeks is I've pulled my hamstring before while playing it sucks. It takes a long time to get back to full speed, especially if you, you know, tear two and you're playing a position where you rely on speed. So he looked good in a guy that I don't feel like he fully got to open up um, last year. So I'm interested to see how Denzel Mims performs new offense, new quarterback, new, like new everything. It almost feels like it's rookie year all over again, which is great. And I'll have more help on the outside. I just, I'm really concerned about guard and corner uh, personally and will linebacker. Those are the three spots that I feel like, huge you mentioned linebacker most even if Mo, let's just for sake of argument say mostly is 2018 buffalo game cj mosley you still need somebody out there to be able to play will linebacker and even if you move gerard davis to sam and and blake cashman is you know i mean like you can make this whole mixture but these guys have to play well so i i hope they address that uh, at some point in the draft corner bryce hall you mentioned a guy that could take a huge step it's it'll be another full year he was coming off that really bad ankle injury I just I like Bless Austin, but I think he's a death piece. I think Arthur Mollett's a death piece. I think all these types of guys, you know, could could be additions on the roster. But if they're they're coming in because someone's hurt, not because they get hurt, and now all of a sudden it's a guy off the street that hasn't played in weeks. So, and then just guard. You mentioned McGovern. I don't. It's hard to tell what the Jets think. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, they signed him as a center, but then you know, in free agency, I felt like they could have gone after a few more guards, but I guess, you know, they can, it's a deep guard class and I'd like to see them address one, if not two, um, at least one to pl plug and play week one. And then hopefully by the end of the year, maybe a Cam Clark who we didn't really see it all last year could step in. 
Um, yeah, I just think those are positions that, you know, if they can solidify and get a running game going, not to, it's not about being, I know Brian Baldinger, you know, had a whole clip yesterday about, you know, the 09 Jets and how great that offensive line was. I don't, I'm not expecting that, right? I mean, I'm not foolish, but I would like to see a couple guys in this offensive line be there for five to six years and really start to build a core group um, that will really kind of progress the team. And then if all of a sudden your D-line and offensive line are good and your quarterback takes a step, maybe it's not this year, but next year you're like, well, we should make the playoffs. Like, and that's something that I think Jets fans covering the Jets, no matter, you know, whoever you are, sick, but building a little stability would be, that's what I'm looking for personally, because it's always feels like these short windows, 2009, 2010, boom, they're done. You know, mm-hmm. they were, I would say they were stable from 98 through 04. And then, um, you know, Herms last year obviously didn't go so well with Chad being injured and stuff in 05. But right. I feel like they were stable that, you know, that was both lines were good. They had good skill guys, good coaching. I just, I don't know the last time we've seen a stable Jets run for more than two seasons max. Well, you know, you're right. And um, I mean, as much as I think we all loved Rex, you know, and, and his thing, um, you know, we got two years. And then I think he, he probably, you know, I just get the sense that he was being a, you know, a good soldier as he went along with, um, you know, the personnel decisions, because he was not the man in charge of the personnel. But, you know, things did not shake out the way he obviously wanted them to shake out uh, through 2014. And then he's gone. And then Todd the same way. And like I said, injuries hurt Todd as much as they hurt uh, Adam Gase. So uh, the two guys you mentioned before, I just touch on them, uh, the the rookies last year, Perrine and Mims, um, you know, you look at their numbers, they didn't wow you really um, with their availability or, you know, what they produced. But I will say, Perrine, when the, when the crunch downs came, you know, the, the third and short, fourth and short, he was getting first downs, which I liked. And um, then Mims, I mean, you know, this guy didn't get a lot of opportunities, um, was hurt a, a bit of the year. But when he got downfield, he could take the ball away from people. And that's what you want to see down you know, you know, uh, the intermediate and the deep zones, you know, and whatever, uh, you know, the man coverage that, uh, you know, two on one, and he still comes away with that ball. He looked like that kind of receiver. And if you team him up with the short guy, you know, par excellence and and Jamison Crowder, and then maybe another deep guy, or, you know, Corey Davis is, he's one of those, I think I said understated excellence because he didn't have a great year last year. But what he did was pretty interesting uh, in the sense of he's a guy you can throw the ball to. He's going to come up with it. He's not going to let the other team come up with it. He's going to make big plays. He just, I, I don't know if it was a, if it was an availability thing with him uh, or um, in, down in Tennessee, or if it was, um, uh, you know, just that they had, you know, too many other weapons, but I like that addition a lot as one that's going to fly underneath the radar until all of a sudden it's on the radar for other teams. Yeah, no, it's interesting. One guy you mentioned before, uh, I know the Jets added Brad Deweese to the staff in terms of like a high performance, you know, training director. He's going to come on the podcast in June. So people uh, look oh, that's great. that one. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear, you know, something that, um, you know, a lot of people have asked me is the almost overtraining some of these guys and people overlift and overdo certain things and why people so many more injuries happen the last couple of years it seems like with the Jets if there's something to correct there so I'm interested asking that but um no I, I agree with you and I think it'll be interesting to see Corey Davis the guy who's like he's a top five pick and he's one of the kid one of the best college careers I've ever seen and even at a small school and he's a talented guy and I think the more targets his production look i don't think he's not gonna be julio jones and, and calvin johnson or andy moss but i think if he can get a thousand yards you know there's been very few jets receivers that have gotten to that mark and today's right. NFL, brandon marshall i think was yeah. the last one is that right yeah, probably marshall and then i just think back to like lavernius coles or yeah lavernius and Kripat and Keyshawn, and but they didn't do it a lot but they did it and uh, yeah you know let's Let's see one of those years where you, you know, like Brandon Marshall in 2015. I, holy crap. I mean, this guy, you know, he had what, 90 something. I don't know if he got 100 catches, but he had six. Yeah, he got over 100. He was, okay, I think he was like, I'm just going off the top of my head. And if I get this right, I'm going to look it up after. I'm be pretty impressed. Okay. I think it was like 102, like 50 or 1400 and like 1400. Yeah. And, and the touchdowns. And it's like, that's the kind of year you want to get from your number one receiver. 
Corey thinks he can be that guy. All right, I'm glad that they they you know he feels that way, and you know the the other players they brought in are are confident in that way. But we need to see it obviously, and we need to see extended uh, you know periods of time when they're showing that, which we haven't seen a lot of. So, but you're right. Yeah, let's um, you know let, let's get that receiver or that receiving core. I mean, you know that the one important thing is it's it's not the one player necessarily although if you get them you love them and you you ride them as long as you can but let's see the units produce let's see the whole offense or the whole defense um you know uh, just do what they're supposed to do keep teams you know on defense especially keep them out of the red zone keep them uh, get them off the field on third down the turnovers weren't too bad last year i mean it, the jets finished better than they had in the last several years Let's continue that rise, you know, in, in uh, taking the ball away, not giving it away. And, and especially on offense, again, not, not to knock Sam, because like I said, he did a lot of interesting things, some very good things and some not so good things. But, you know, let's continue with that approach, which is uh, the, the, approach, the desired approach, which is don't turn the ball over, make the key plays, uh, you know, uh, have the surrounding talent around you uh, as much as possible, as opposed to half the time or a quarter of the time. And I think the Jets are on the way to doing that. And so now we're going to start it all over again a little bit in 2021. But I think it's a good feeling for Jets fans. I mean, I think they really, you know, you, you hate to, you know, get over-invested in something because, you know, I know what happened back there in 2014, you know, or 2018 and Todd left and Adam came in and it's like, well, you know, I'm going to hope for the best and uh, hope, hope for the Jets fans, you know, the best for them too, because they deserve it. And like you said, they, um, you know, they're loyal. I mean, they, they don't like being passed by, but they also, they're, they make the Jets a must click team. You're right. I, I like uh, <laughs> um, obviously because yeah. a lot of people want to still follow them. A lot yeah, of people still it's crazy. It's like a, it's like let's a do habit. something for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bad habit, but um, obviously it's way too early to do this. It was just, I'm just off. Like what would be, what do you think fans should be realistically happy with from a win total? Obviously we have not had the draft yet and there's some other things that are around them, but I, I my thing is, you know, we've talked about this a lot with turn on the Jets is, if you're the Chargers from last year where your quarterback looks great, you have some, you lose some games, whatever, and but you end up maybe five or six wins, but you're at least competitive every week and it's fun, you score points, that's probably the expectation. Anything better than that's great. If they win seven or eight games, hey, that's fantastic. Even if they don't make the playoffs, wow, there's progress. Um, but I would say an exciting competitive team that can at least put five, six wins and, and play decent football after Halloween. What would your way too early expectations be from you know uh, from the team perspective yeah well you you mentioned um the chargers and herbert and uh, what about uh, deshaun watson i mean he was a guy that many jets fans were hot to go after until a lot of other off the field things piled up on him uh, but uh, here's a guy who looks the part i mean he he runs the offense and and what were the texans last year i mean you know they they struggled too so um I mean, I'm always open for eight and eight. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know what's realistic or not, but, uh, you know, it's like, um, I think there are probably, I think the personnel is probably a little better than two and 14. It's a little better than a lot of people think it is. And it's become better with the additions that Joe Douglas and his team have made and will make um, at the end of this month. And so I, I do like, the talent, but everybody's adding talent. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you can't bank on that necessarily, but I just, I mean, towards the end of the 19 season, I mean, who, who thought the jets would, would finish six and two, I mean, uh, uh, to, to uh, kind of salvage that season a little bit and give false hope for 2020. I mean, you know, I, I think it's doable. I wish they would have just lost and then Gase would have been gone. We could have properly evaluated. <laughs> well, <him. laughs> I know you were thinking that, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, let, let's, let's see that. I, th I think you're right about the steady progress and let's see something interesting. And um, is six wins the, the goal? I, I won't put a number on it, but, you know, like I say, I'd like to see eight and eight. I don't know if that's doable. I'd like to see them get to that plateau and then 
you know, springboard from there in 2022 when they have a few more picks, as we know, 10 picks this year, 11 next year at the moment, uh, 21 picks, the most that they've had. I think I, I did the numbers since 97, 98 when they had 21. Uh, that worked out well. Yeah, I know a lot of fans, you, you included, uh, you know, said, well, you know, I hope it's better draft than those two. But, you know, they in 97, they did actually get some players. Uh, 98, I think Jason Fabini was about it. But uh, but the numbers do count. And uh, so that's important as well. And so that's another reason to be optimistic about this, this new start here is not only are we starting with new head coach and the GM who's putting his stamp on the organization, but we're starting with a whole raft of new players and a new concept, new concepts on both sides of the ball. And uh, it's time. It's time to see the Jets be that team as opposed to the Bills or the Dolphins or the Browns or, you know, whoever you want to go through the list, making that move up the ladder. Let's see the Jets do it. I think it's, it's the start of that. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. We'll finish with, we'll finish with a couple of quick, fun, uh, quick, fun ones. Uh, we'll go, we'll start, we'll do most fun player you've gotten to cover, uh, most fun team. And then one guy that was maybe not, I don't want to say least favorite, but at least most difficult to, uh, to get a good quote from, or to give you anything. Mm, all right. So what's the first one is we'll the, go, we'll go favorite player to fun, or favorite at least player. favorite or fun, most fun, entertaining guy. Well, I always liked Jordan Jenkins. He's gone, but um, I uh, Jordan was always cooperative. Always wanted to talk and and uh, was was an honest cat, you know, about um, you know what went wrong, what went right. Uh, I, I like Marcus May in that regard too. He's he's a little understated for for that because uh, he you know first three years was, was uh, alongside of uh, Jamal Adams, who did enough talking for the entire secondary probably. Uh, but, um, but Marcus May is another guy who, you know, he loves being there. I mean, he loves being a jet. Uh, you didn't hear any squawking out of him about the, uh, franchise tag. I don't think, uh, I don't recall any, um, he just, he wanted to be a jet. He's going to get paid well for a year and then we'll see what happens next year. But, uh, another guy who, who loves the game and loves performing and is on, you know, he's, he's, um, unselfish and I mean, just go through the list and he, and he's made some very, I mean, I think people are are missing the boat on him if they don't think he can be one of the top safeties in the league. He's made so many great plays, uh, maybe not every week, you know, but you know, you look at the team around him, um, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. But he has made some excellent. Plays. Oh, I think he's, I think he's going to make a Pro Bowl this year based on the fact that safety is a reliant position, mm -hmm. and if they get edge pressure, um, he's been really exactly he's right. Probably been a top between seven and twelve. Uh, safety the last two years and if he takes the defense gets better he could probably take a step to maybe four or five and then all of a sudden you're probably playing a pro bowl and people will be a little bit more uh they'll be a little higher on marcus may than maybe they are at the moment yeah no that would that's a great point because it's starting up front with the the organization obviously and with the defense so all right so then the second question i was gonna is, say most fun team to cover um most fun team uh I'll, you know, I, I don't want to short anybody. I mean, 2004 was a really great year to, to cover the Jets. I mean, I got to know Curtis Martin really well, helped to, in my small way to, you know, to uh, elevate him uh, into the Hall of Fame. I don't want to, that doesn't sound like, but. <laughs> I, I love Curtis, so. I, I, mean, I yeah. love Curtis, and I, I did everything I could to make sure that people realized that he belonged in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which a lot of other people did. Uh, but, you know, I go back to 97, 98, because um, I used to cover Bill Parcells when I covered the Giants uh, back in the uh, mid 80s. Um, some fans of mine of a certain age will remember that. I'd love to tell you I was born and not make you feel bad, but I was not born in the 80s. Exactly so. <laughs> right. No, I was with a an, an independent uh, team newspaper and I covered the Jets of 86 and Parcells first Super Bowl and in 90, I left that paper, go to the Bergen record, cover the Jet, the Giants. I'm sorry, did I say Jets? I meant the Giants, right? Giants again in 90 for their next Super Bowl. And uh, Parcells coming to the Jets was kind of like, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I can work with this guy. I mean, a lot of people think he's difficult and so on. I have no problems with him. Uh, and especially with the winning attitude that he brought in the culture shift. And so, you know, that to me is, uh, you know, was a fun time, a fun period, a lot of fun players. Uh, they almost, you know, once again, the, the train stopped in Denver, you know, the, the Jets landed in Denver. Uh, but, um, 
but still a, a very um, promising development and a culture change. And I think that's what we all need to and want to see here. I mean, it's been talked about a culture change. Uh, if they can do anything, if, if Robert Sala and Joe Douglas can do and his coaching staff can do what the Parcells group did back in the late 90s, uh, we're onto something. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I uh, I went to grab this. I have this when I was a kid. I was I have a Curtis Martin game worn helmet. So oh, I'm, there you go. Which is pretty cool. I'm gonna have to tweet that picture out actually after this. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think you know from a perspective of my favorite teams were obviously when I was when I was you know a kid and going being able to go to training camp and stuff like that. Curtis Martin's one of my all time favorite players, and not it's not even just because he's a, he's just like a, a great person. He's from my grandma's hometown. I, like, oh. I, I met, met him a ton of times. It's like personable humble guy that just happened to run yep. for fourteen thousand yards and won a rushing title in, the, in his 30s so you know I, I love those teams but 2010 for me is probably it was team was so freaking good and i went to Cortland and they were training camp in court there's the whole yes right the whole package that for me i just i can't i still can't believe that team didn't win a super bowl 98 that denver team smoked Atlanta in the Super Bowl, and I think the Jets probably win that game. Yeah, um, I think so. Know, and I think the Jets probably win the 2010, so too. too. Yeah. I don't know. I think they could have won it. Every time I feel like the Jets have been close to a Super Bowl, whoever they they would have played in the Super Bowl, they probably would have beaten. Um, but whatever. That's I don't want to bum people out with that one. But yeah. <laughs> last, we'll I'll finish with this one. Who was maybe a guy that was I don't, I don't want not I don't want to say least favorite because that's not fair because everybody has their own you know spark to it. But who was somebody that was. I know Rich Shamini was on and he mentioned he was like him and Revis used to get into it a little bit or Keyshawn <laughs> was difficult because you never knew what you were going to get. Who was maybe a guy that um, everybody in the, like, you know, fans were obsessed with, but from a media perspective could be difficult, I guess, to. Uh... Well, I, I, Keyshawn's an interesting dude because um, what I remember about Keyshawn was back in the day when the Jets public relations department printed out the clips every day, as opposed to sending them out via email. Uh <laughs> many trees died for that right uh but um that stack you know was about that thick uh on most on on the heavy days on wednesdays and thursdays and so on on, on game days on mondays uh Keyshawn wanted that that clip package delivered to his chair in the locker room his little stool and uh, you know every day and he read everything that everybody wrote, I think. I mean, you know, unless he skipped over a few. Polar opposite of Sam having no social media. And then you have Keyshawn exactly. who was like, I want to see every single quote. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And and he and and then you'd come in for the locker room session and he'd say, hey, Lang, uh, you know, what, what were you saying about me? You know, uh, not not being able to make catches in the big part. You know, and he'd go into this whole, you know, uh, rant uh, with me. It's like gee, I don't know. I don't think I did anything wrong, but I guess I'll have to go along with this. And then all of a sudden, when he was done with his uh, topic of the day, he said, okay, what do you guys need? And so I was like, all right, you know, I mean, it was never meant, um, you know, mean-spiritedly from Keyshawn. I mean, I think it was meant, he, he was just being a, a pain in the butt, but he also was showing that he cared and, and he read everybody and he knew what he was talking about. And, you know, whether he did or not, that's the impression he gave you. He knew he knew everything. So uh, God bless him. And he's doing a, a good job, you know, in, in uh, media now. I, I just, I, I go back to safeties. I don't, I don't seem to have a good run with safeties. Uh, Calvin Pryor was kind of tough to talk to. Uh, Louisville slugger. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, Jet fans from back in the early nineties, Brian Washington was, you know, he's a good player, but he was very hard to deal with. And uh, I'm trying to think there might've been even another safety that I, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about safeties. Revis, I got along with, but you know, I, I did not have the same relationship that the beat writers had with him because I'm not, you know, when he comes back and looks like an average player in 2016, uh, you know, I, I didn't have to jump on him with both feet and, you know, say what a horrible deal that was, you know, and, uh, but, you know, Darrell was a great player for the Jets and, and I never had any issues with him and, so I, I guess, you know, I'm just trying to think if there were any others. I think the safeties probably were the, were the toughest guys. And Stay away from Ashton Davis and uh, Marcus but, May. But Ashton, you know, and, and Ashton didn't have a lot of chance to talk to him. So we'll see how that works out. But I guess Marcus May could be the, the game breaker on that. And, and, and Jamal was good too. So uh, I, I guess. I don't think it's hard. I wouldn't, I would guess it's not <laughs> as hard to get a quote out of Jamal as uh, 
you know, maybe somebody else, uh, a little right, more soft-spoken. Right. <laughs> yeah, except cool. Jamal, Jamal was another one of those guys who would tell you when he was upset. And so, all right, I guess, you know, I didn't, I didn't please Jamal today, but we'll work on that, you know. Uh, I'll but, go you home know, and work he, on that. Yeah, he, he's doing his thing in Seattle. And, you know, now uh, Marcus is the guy. And uh, so I think the position's making a turn for me. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out and, and beyond. Yeah, no, I, I, obviously some great stuff. And I, I think it's an, ex, like you said, there's a lot of reason for optimism. Obviously the expectations couldn't be much lower uh, than they were this year. You know, they almost went defeated. So, um, you know, a lot of new optimism, a lot of things, you know, around the team, make sure to, you know, read all your stuff on the site, you know, the Jets site as a whole, I think you get, you do get some really good content on there. And it's, um, you know, it's something that I think people will really enjoy. Make sure you follow our Lang Jets on Twitter, um, you know, and, and the whole nine yards. And uh, yeah, no, we really appreciate you you coming on the pod today and uh, you know talking a little Jets, uh, little Jets football. Thanks for having me on. Well, I really appreciate it, and um, I don't think I ran into you, Cortland, but uh, we had time <laughs> up there, didn't we? Yeah, no, it was, it was fun. I wish they would go back that or to Hofstra because that's been the team seemed to be better when they were doing that and not in uh, in Florham Park well, for twelve months. That was, a year, but. That, that was Rex's philosophy, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. So uh, it's unfortunate, but hey, no, we we appreciate it, and uh, you know, we'll we'll talk soon. You got it. Thanks a lot, Will.